0: Right, So we're in our last week of our series called Happyology, and uh, I won't spend a lot of time recapping um, too much of it, but I do kind of want to take a look back. Um, You've all heard me say this before. Uh, We heard at a leadership conference that we went to often, they would say this, the largest gap in the world is between what you know to do and what you actually do. And a lot of times in, in scripture, the writings, they would start off and they would say, hey, it's good that I remind you of this. Or I know you've essentially heard this before, but, but let me remind you of this again. Why? Because just us as human beings, that's where we fall short between what we know to do and what we actually do. And I think it's good for us as Christians or believers or um, anyone who's taking a look at scripture. It's important for us to go, yeah, I, I would say that I know these things, but let's continue to talk about them because it helps keep them as a part of our life and active in a part of our life. Amen? And so we're in this series called Happyology, and the idea is this, like what it says there. We're talking about the theology of happiness. And uh, a lot of times, you know, of course, in culture, we literally have a term. We always talk about the pursuit of happiness and, and, and being people who, who are looking for Maybe you would say the American dream or happiness or whatever. And, um, but what does the scripture say about that? What does the scripture say about the pursuit of happiness or living the happy life? And we know that Jesus said that I came to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. Or, or some would say I've come to give you life and give it to you better. And so a lot of books get written out there about how God wants to give you your best life now and make you a happy. And that stuff's all good. But like anything in life, you can get way off in the ditch of that. And you can just become a person who, who uses God as a genie, like, oh, God's going to be a part of my life because he'll come and he'll make me happy and he'll grant me my wishes and then I'll live the best life and it works out for me. But how many of you all know that's not exactly the design in scripture about how uh, it works here, amen? And so um, we've been going through the last couple of weeks. The first week we talked about there is no such thing uh, as happiness outside of a relationship with God. Like you won't find, because the scripture says, and we'll, this is where we're really going to hit on it today. The scripture says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So our strength as Christians comes from a joy that we carry. Well, if we, if we don't have joy if we're people who don't have joy, then we don't have strength as, as Christians or a believer. And so how do we keep the joy? How do we keep this strength? And the first week we looked at, like I said, you can't even start... Unless you have a relationship with God, unless you've made him Lord of your life and Savior of your life. And so, right standing with God was the first week that we looked at. Then, the second week we looked at is since we're now in relationship with God, there's stages to relationships. Uh, in my life, I have all different kinds of relationships, and there's stages to those relationships. And the scripture mentions different. Uh, ways that God talks about us in relationship. And so we talked about how uh, there's a seeker and there's servants. God's called us servant, but then he also called us friend, but then he also called us his children. And so there's different privileges that we access in those. And uh, I say friends, friends come and hang out at my house and they, uh, they stay late and we hang out, uh, but my child lives there. And, uh, and so a friendship relationship has limits, but when you understand that you're a child of God, it's a dwelling type relationship with God. You live, you inhabit where He is, you're there together, amen? And so we talked about that, and then last week we talked about um, one of the ways that we don't live in happiness or we forfeit our joy is when we imprison ourselves. We talked about prison places where we do things or we leave ourselves in cages uh, or prisons of things that happen to us. So a bad past experience or something happened that wasn't fair or this thing happened in life or this stage of life and we leave ourselves in that and, and we, we sort of lock up our happiness because of the things that happen to us and so we talk about how uh, sometimes we, we, we stay in a cage of, of cursing it. We're always just cursing that thing that happened and we're stuck in this place of constantly just cursing what happened or we rehearse it and uh, we rehearse it. We're always just going over it again or we nurse it Well, this thing happened to me and we just keep nursing it and feeding it instead of being free from it and moving on and trusting God. We stay in these cages and we forfeit our happiness. And so today I want to break it down the last week of it. I want to look at the difference between happiness and joy. Uh, The scripture talks about this joy of the Lord. And if you Google or you look up how often joy is mentioned in scripture, it's mentioned a ton in scripture. Uh, it talks about, especially in worship or singing songs to God, it talks about how we should be coming from a place of joy. And uh, I think that's a good challenge to us as, as American Christians that uh, we shouldn't come in singing songs you know, sort of with our arms folded tight mentality. We should come in expressing what our thanksgiving and our gratitude toward what's got. And, I'm not, and listen, I'm not the first person to, like, grab a hanky and run around the room. That's not me, and that's not what I'm saying. Well, that person's got more joy because they're more expressive. Listen, I've been to 32 concerts of one particular band uh, that I love. Oh, you giving them, you get, what's that? Be 33 this summer. And um, it's my hobby. Oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm getting ridiculed. <laughs> From the, from the group over here that just bought Aerosmith tickets to go see Steven Tyler, and she doesn't even know how to play anymore. So I'm not even gonna hear it from the front row over here. Um, hey, uh, So he just outed my band. Thad over here is from Chicago, and my band accidentally dumped sewage into the river in Chicago that i told you don't nurse it don't rehearse it you gotta <laughs> let it go <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh my gosh all right hosanna lord save us help us here today was just, anybody got some palms in here we got to fix this quick somebody gonna so anyway i was talking about expressive worship so listen i love this band follow the band it's a hobby that my brother and i started we travel uh, all over and see this band and uh if you went there with me, I'm not, they kind of have a hippie following. So I'm not, I'm not with the hippies like dancing and twirling and being all crazy, but I guarantee you I'm one of the more engaged, passionate fans there, but I'm not all getting crazy and whatever. It's a heart thing is what I'm trying to say. And so what I'm trying to say is when we come and we worship, we should come with in our heart a passion or or a joy or an enthusiasm into God unto God. And scripture is full of it, talking about the joy unto God. Amen. You with me? But check this out. Here's what I want to break down today. Our dictionary, when you look up the word joy, it says that joy is a feeling of great pleasure or happiness. But as we look at scripture, there's actually a difference in the way that God talks about having joy versus what even our dictionary would describe joy as. And it talks about, it says that it's a feeling of great pleasure or happiness. Everywhere in scripture is the idea of joy. Second Corinthians 9, 7 talks about how it says that for God loves a cheerful giver, or one pers- one translation says God loves a joyful giver. Somebody who comes in with with this joy or this excitement to be able to give. Here's the difference. Um For those of you that have kids, you would probably really connect to this. For those of you that don't, I'm trying to think of a good way to explain it. For me, at Christmas, uh, I'm not a morning person, but we got up way early, and uh, my daughter's two, so she understands gifts. She gets it. And um, so we got her this little Mickey Mouse kitchen set thing, and she's really into all that. And so we had it all set up and put by the Christmas tree. So here's the thing. So I'm just sitting on the couch waiting for her to get up. With what? joyful expectation that she's going to come up and receive this gift and do this thing. And, and, but there's other people that I got gifts for. And some of you are going to be like, is that me? Is he talking about me? There's other people that I just got a gift for, right? You you know, you kind of did the thing and you and, and, and I care, uh, I care about them, but, but you just kind of get a gift for. And so, um, I was happy to give them a gift Is what I'm trying to say. I was happy to give them a gift. Like, hey, care about you. I'm happy to give you a gift. I experienced some happiness in that. But with my daughter, there was this joyful, like, I get to give her this gift. I get to give her this. I get to have this experience. There was like a joy on the inside of me. Like the scripture says, uh, we can have a joy that's unspeakable. And so there's a difference between like being happy and then having this this inward joy. And so that's kind of what I want to break down. Uh, I want to share it to you like this. Um, If I were to come up to you right now and I would say, hey, I just got you a car. Here's a brand new car. And everyone would go crazy like the Oprah Club, like, oh, crying and like whatever. (laughs) Everybody, you would get a car. You would be happy, but would you have joy? Would I have given you joy? And if we really start thinking about it, like, oh, I'm, I'm pretty happy about that. I got a car. But, but would it actually bring, like, a place of joy into your life? You say, I don't know. To me, they're kind of the same. Think about it like this. If you've ever gone on a mission trip, if you've ever gone overseas and you've been in a place of poverty, and then you've come back, so you just see the devastation, you see people living in a third world country, and you just go, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I'm so blessed to have what I have. And you come home with a new attitude. You come home with this new thing. And a lot of you would say, uh, well, you actually came back thankful. You came back thankful. Uh, No. For me, when I came back, yes, thankful is part of it. But all of a sudden, I came back very joyful. I had a lot of inward joy and gratitude, thanksgiving. That's all part of it. But, But I wasn't just happy that I, have, that I have what I have in America uh, I, I, it, it shifted my world. it took me from oh i 'm happy to have some stuff, I happy that I have a TV to this inward dwelling of like man i 'm really blessed i 'm really blessed i 'm really and so you would say well that 's thanksgiving that's but but it just does something onto the inside of you that you 're like hey this isn 't just happiness that i 'm living in. I, I'm really blessed. There's like a joy on the inside of me uh, because of how I'm blessed. And then hopefully you take that and turn that back and, and, and help those areas. I'm not saying you you leave the mission field and come back like, man, I got so much joy because I'm not those guys. You know, <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is uh, there's a different, what changed? Was my stuff any different? Is anything? No, I had an understanding that, you know what? God's really good to me and I'm really blessed and, and I'm in a good place. And in that I then operated out of joy and, and thanksgiving and those kind of things. And so there's a difference between, oh, I gave you a car and you have a little bit of happiness and it, versus like this internal, I have joy at the core. First Peter 1 Peter 1.8 says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible, glorious joy. So what the scripture here is talking about, this joy of the Lord is what we're getting to, is like saying, it's like, look, you've never seen him and you believe in him. And and so the, the whole thing is breaking down. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled. So what it's saying is this. There is not tangible, like X's and O's, like move this to here, God's here, put this here, put this here, that makes up this joy on the inside of him. What it's saying is, it's an inward, it's a spiritual joy that they walk in because of the relationship or the encounters or the things that they've experienced in God. For a lot of us, that, that right there is going over our head. It's like, I don't know what you're trying to say. What I'm trying to say is there's a difference between, hey, you got a new car or you just got a new house and you're happy, or I know that God is good to me, and I'm in relationship with him, and he's mine, and I'm your and, and I can dwell in this place that I'm God's and that brings joy to me. Amen? Yes. It's not circumstances, it's not I've seen him, I've I've touched him, I've known him, I've met him. It's it's this understanding of that God is for me, he's in me, and he believes in me. And then there's this inexpressible glorious joy. And so For us, we like to make it very circumstantial. Oh, I'm happy because this, I'm happy. They're saying, I can't even express it or explain it to you. I just know that I have it on the inside of me because that's what God does for me, amen? And so it's the core. I thought about it like this. We like to choose the most desirable over the most important. It's the culture that we live in. We choose what's most desirable at the time Over what's the most important to us, oftentimes. You say, I don't know if I believe that. I don't do that. Listen, my daughter is two, two and a half, two and four months, whatever it is. And she's very much like me. She doesn't, she, she's a late night. She, I'm not kidding you. Some of you will judge me for this, (laughs) but I don't know that there's a single night that she goes to bed before 930 p.m. like 9 30 she goes to bed really late and so did I and my parents are here this is my mom and dad right here third row everybody look at them and embarrass them um (laughs) and then and then please tell the authorities because I'm still rehearsing and nursing and doing this experience Uh, my parents pretty much had to lock me in my bedroom to get me to go to sleep okay (laughs) so I was like, mom, let's watch Johnny Carson. What are we doing? Like I want to, true story, true story, right? I'm not kidding you. My TV, like the man cave is right outside Caroline's bedroom. Um, She watches a little Jimmy Fallon with me. I'm not kidding. Like she stays up late, which is the new Johnny Carson. That's the connection there. Anyway. Um, So here's the deal. Super late night person. And um, that's fine. She's blessed. And everyone says, well, the scripture says that you should arise early and seek the Lord. Well, hey, one minute past midnight is technically a new day. I'm beating you guys. You get all righteous because you're up at 4 a.m. to pray. I beat you. It was 12 on 1, and I was praying. So anyway, so, so it's a struggle to put her to bed. She just loves to stay up. She's a night owl. And so she's really into books, really into books. And um, honestly, lately, just to read her books, she'll say, Let's go to bed. And Jess and I, we wish that actually meant she was gonna go to sleep, but it means the book marathon is starting. And it's funny because before you have kids, you're one of those snob parents. Before you even have a kid, like, look at that, look at them over there. Like, they let their kids watch so many movies. I can't believe that. They're always watching movies. My kids are gonna read books. Sometimes throughout my day, when Caroline brings me a book, I'm like, if you bring me one more book, why don't you go watch a movie? <laughs> like, get the iPad, go watch a movie, these books. Um, anyway so we go to bed and and she's in bed and always with the book so I, read another book read another book and it's great and I'm not saying like you should neglect bedtime and putting your kids to bed or whatever but my wife will be the first one to tell you she always gets on me like Josh it shouldn't take 45 minutes for you to put her to bed but I'm enjoying reading books and I, and I would say oh I only have 16 more years with her but as you heard me say a couple weeks ago like Rapunzel, she's never leaving my tower. So now I'm not really on the clock, uh, but so always doing the books and reading the books. But this week, uh, it's the college basketball tournament. I'm not a huge basketball fan, but uh, there were some good games on and I wanted to pray against the Spartans while they were playing. And so, um, so the game was on and, uh, and so she's doing the books and it had been a long time and said, another book, another book. And, and, I, and in my mind, I was getting a little frustrated, like gosh go to sleep I want to watch the game (laughs) yeah okay mom (laughs) yeah (laughs) go to sleep the game is on will you just sleep already it's been a long time we've read a hundred books and uh and she kept like saying she said couple couple more minutes that's what she says couple yeah you all say that but if it was you every night (laughs) if it was you every night (laughs) seriously if I have to read Peter Pan one more time So she'll say that one more time, a couple more minutes. And then she'll say, <laughs> who teaches her this stuff too? She'll, she'll grab me and she'll say, don't leave. <laughs> oh my Gosh, are you kidding me? <laughs> but I was rebuked. Honestly, I'm, I'm just, this is my confessional. I was rebuked because I wanted to go choose something that was short-term satisfaction, a basketball game, over investing, who's with me, And something that's an internal joy, that's a bigger deal. Now, obviously, if you were to poll me and say, hey, what's more important to you, spending some time with your kid or watching a basketball game? Of course, I would say spending time with my kid. But in that moment, I wanted to choose what was most desirable over what was most important. And 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 listen, I don't. I was like, boy, preacher confessed today that he just doesn't like putting his kid to bed. That's not the case. I promise you. Ask my wife. We like literally, like, really? You took an hour to put the kid to bed, and um, so that's not it at all. But in that moment, I was like, hey, I would get more satisfaction. That's what I want you to hear, or happiness, I'd get more satisfaction or more happiness out of that thing in that moment than I would the big picture. And I think that to me, if I could best explain it, is how we miss happiness and joy. I think existing in a place of joy and and, and in relationship with God and and when God said, I came to give you life and give it to you more abundantly, uh, I could paraphrase it and say, hey, he came to give you life more abundantly in terms of the things that matter and the things that are most important and the things with the highest value versus being somebody who continually sells out for the temporal and the quick decision satisfaction. Somebody say amen. So happiness is the, oh, that would make me happy if I watched that game. But joy is saying like, hey, I'm gonna invest in this and in the core of it, it's gonna keep me a joyful, uh, strong person, amen? And so uh, you say, I don't know if I'm still tracking with you. Think about it this way. What satisfies us doesn't always bring the joy that I'm talking about. That's why when we look back on our year, maybe we're doing our taxes, we get our thing, and we go like, man, where did we spend our money? Where did we do our thing? In the moment, buying the clothes or upgrading this or doing that, in the moment, those temporal satisfaction decisions seemed like what would bring us joy or keep us happy. But at the core, at the end of the year, we're like, man, our priority is to maybe live a little bit more generously or save a little bit more or prepare a little bit more. The, the big thing got given up over the temporal satisfaction. Who knows what I'm talking about? And so a lot of times we'll almost buy in on happiness, but we'll neglect what's actually going to bring us true, like core joy in existence. Are you with me? Are you guys tracking? Okay. And so don't do, I love this by Christine Kane. She said this, do not be dissatisfied with your life because of what you see in someone else's. How often do we go like, I'm gonna give up my joy here. I'm gonna forfeit this. This isn't good enough because that over there is what I actually want. And we totally throw out what is that thing that is the core that's gonna keep you uh, where God has called you and belong and where you're supposed to be for, I'd rather have it like that person or I'd rather have it like that. Listen, we could go on and on. You can go into divorce court. You can go into failed businesses. You can go into all of these things and see what happened is people lost the vision or what's important in the core for something temporal. Amen? Amen. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. Some of you need to write this down because it's going to help you in arguments. I'm going to set some people free this morning. It's funny that you laugh because you know I'm going to say a joke instead of like really being serious. <laughs> Nehemiah eight ten. Nehemiah said go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and then, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This is the day, this day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is our strength. This is where we get the scripture for the joy of the Lord is our strength. Here's what I wanna clear up. The scripture in Nehemiah says, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. If anybody in your life is trying to get you to stop drinking soda, rebuke them because it's biblical right there. Go enjoy your choice food and your sweet drinks. So stop talking to me about my Mountain Dew and my Coca-Cola. It's in the Bible. And if you're taking it away, that's witchcraft in my opinion. I don't care what your stupid CrossFit gym coach tells you about Toby. (laughs) So they're throwing a party. They're throwing a party in a, in a moment of grieving. So you say, how do we keep joy? How do we keep joy? And it's saying you go in a place that, that you come from like, hey, we're in a place of possible grieving or we're in a rough spot. Uh, but what we're going to do is we're going to try to find a way to celebrate the fact that you're not alone on a bad day. Why? Because it's the joy of the Lord that gives you strength. So when you're down, oh, I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't know how, da 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 In a way, find a way to start to say, hey, I can throw a party here even though I'm alone. Why? Because the good thing is, when I'm weak, he is what? Strong. And because the scripture promises that the joy of our Lord can be our strength no matter what we're going through. Amen? The key, I believe, is walking in joy. I believe the key to reaching this generation and reaching our community is if we can be a believer, a community of believers or Christians who walk in joy. We've seen enough bullhorn, picket sign, angry Christian people. We need to see some more people that just walk around the community with the joy of the Lord, amen? Be some people that are happy about some stuff, that enjoy their kids, that celebrate some things. Well, I don't know, you're doing Easter egg, you're doing bunny eggs on Easter. I didn't see Easter eggs in the, look, we're we're just trying to connect with some people and have some fun. And if it takes a plastic Easter egg to reach a few people, I think God's okay with that, amen? And so we just want to be some people that have some fun. But unfortunately, well, what does that mean? Where's the line on that? We want to be people that are excited and passionate about the things of God because the joy of the Lord is our strength. In our communities, in our things, if we can be people, your strength will come from your measure of joy. Uh, You heard me share this when we were doing our Thanksgiving series. America is the most blessed nation. We have the most available to us. We have the most resources, the best schooling, blah, blah, blah. Now, obviously, well, wait a minute. I thought China was ahead of us. In the... We have access to the most in America. But Facebook did a study on all of the Facebook statuses and updates. They did a general theme of the happiness of people who are Facebook users. And even though America is the blessed, we're the most negative on Facebook in terms of how we behave and how we act and what we share about. So we're the most blessed, and yet we're the most negative. Why? I think it's because we've sold ourselves into temporal happiness instead of, hey, at the core, what can I do? What sort of principles can I put in my life that the Lord, the joy of the Lord becomes the strength in my life. Amen. The joy is the key. I thought about Jesus. Jesus was a person who everybody wanted to be around. Why? Probably because he walked in a lot of joy. Uh, The scripture says that the lost wanted to be around him. Children wanted to be around him. Uh, wise people or influential people would come to him and say, hey, you know, I got a sick daughter. I got this thing. Go find Jesus the Messiah. Why? Because he was probably a person, again, as we know, didn't walk around with a bullhorn, uh, screaming things at people and whatever. It it comes down to that whole thing. We should be known for what we're for and not what we're against. We spend so much energy barking about what we're against when we should just live what we're for. And I think it would be a better witness. Amen? Amen. So you say, okay, that sounds great, but on a bad day, like, how do I find joy? How do I keep joy? Because bad stuff happens, and, and we all, you know, this whole series, uh, I've gotten letters and emails and talked with people, like, yes, we all go through very hard things, and I'm not, I'm not saying, like, oh, you do a couple things, and you'll never have a bad day again, or whatever. I'm not saying that at all, but the scripture does promise you things, like in Philippians 4.4. 4. It says, rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say, Rejoice. The translation of rejoice is to rejoy. So like hit the reset on your joy. Like man, I've hit the wall. I've had a bad day. I've had this thing happen. Okay, take a minute and just rejoy. Just find a way to rejoy. Rejoice. And then he repeats himself. And then again, I'm going to tell you rejoice. It's one of the most important things you can do. You say, uh, "Oh, you know, I I think it might be better if I do this and I could fix it this way." He's saying, "No. What you need to do is find a way to just start that joy over again in your life." Somebody say amen. Or to reignite. Paul said, you know, the writer here is saying, you have to make it up in your mind that, hey, today I'm going to start that joy over. I'm going to reignite it. Romans 5.5 5 talks to the, and I, we didn't put it up here, but it talks about this. says that all of God's love has been poured into your heart. So everything that you need to access, God's love, perfect love, scripture says God's love, cast out all fear, whatever you're dealing with, says that God's love has been poured out into you. So you have enough to be able to go, hey, I can rejoice in the Lord right now. I could reignite this thing no matter what I'm facing because God's already poured himself into you, amen? First Thessalonians 5, 23 says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mentions three things in here, your spirit, your soul, and your body, meaning it's possible for you To reignite or to rejoy those, you can walk. It says, now may the peace of himself sanctify you completely and your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of Christ. Meaning in those areas, you can represent yourself blameless. Meaning in your emotions, you can walk in joy. That was one of the things. In your body, you can walk healthy. All of those things you can put under God and they can be in wholeness, amen. And so you say, well, I'm sick or I got this thing and it's robbing my joy present it to God. Believe God for your healing. The scripture says, by his stripes, you're healed. And so we put that before God. You guys with me? Okay. So those three things you can do. And you say, well, I have emotions and I get angry and all that kind of stuff. Well, the Bible knows that. And so the Bible's saying you can put those things in check, but there's also things you can do about your emotions. Ephesians 4.26, it says, be angry and sin not. It's okay if your emotions rise up on you and you have a little bit of anger or, or something comes up. But the scripture says with that, don't sin. It's okay to get a little mad. And the scripture also says um, that there's such thing as a righteous anger. You can get angry and it can be the thing that motivates you to meet a need or to make a change in, in the world, in the community, amen? So the, the scripture, I guess what I'm trying to lay out to you, a couple more minutes and then we'll wrap this up. What I'm trying to lay out to you is this. Like the scripture's saying here, you got these things to keep in check or to keep blameless or to keep held accountable. And the scripture's saying that I understand that you have these emotions, but there's answers to them. Romans 12, 15 says, weep with those who weep. So, hey, like I understand you're gonna be in a place of weeping and emotion and, and you're gonna have these real life things. We're not saying, uh, okay, you gotta be somebody who walks in the joy of the Lord, so never have an emotion again. As a matter of fact, we had a friend of ours. Uh, we were at a church service, and uh, a situation happened where it really kind of rattled this person as she was crying in the uh, hallway. And the pastor of this church went up to her and said, "You need to get yourself together. Your husband can't see you like this. Basically like turn those emotions off ridiculous that's ridiculous and uh and and, and I'm not saying yes there's times you pull yourself together or whatever, especially if you have a two year old <laughs> they time my wife, as you heard, is very pregnant." And so there's a little extra crying on going on around the house, mostly when she drops things. Like, she, she, oh, no, <laughs> I have to get that now. <laughs> or the dog gets to it first. <laughs> I can always tell when she does laundry. She's going to be so mad at me for saying this. Because the lint dryer is always on the ground. <laughs> like, oh, two loads of laundry today, because that fell. She was not about to get it, <laughs> which is fine. Like, that's a perk of being pregnant, right? Yeah, OK. Um, so a little extra crying then with a the two-year-old, you get the, what happened? <laughs> like big explanation. Um, so I'm not saying you just carve out all these emotions. I'll actually close with this, Lauren, if you wanna come play. I don't think it's healthy to be like, you're never gonna have an emotion. You're never gonna be angry. If you're a good Christian, you're never gonna have a bad day. You're never gonna have a doubt. You're never gonna have a struggle. That's not healthy. But what else is not healthy is if you go, I'm going to stay in this super emotional. I'm I'm going to choose to stay angry. I'm going to choose to react out of these places instead of reacting out of a place of God, of godliness, of your inner core, of working on, um, like saying being a person who's striving to be blameless in these three areas. And so it's okay that we have some emotions, but it's not okay if we make excuses for them and we stay in them and we live in those. First Samuel three or thirty verse six says this, it says, David strengthened himself daily in the Lord. David strengthened himself daily in the Lord. And so what he did was when he would experience an emotion or a frustration or something that was pulling him off track of that inner core, the joy of the Lord, what he did was he said, hey, I'm going to fix this by strengthening myself in the Lord. I'm not gonna fix this by reacting out of it and staying in it. Kind of what I talked about last week, calling somebody and rehearsing it and exaggerating it. Started as this, but because you stayed in it, it's grown itself into this big old pile over here. How many of you ever, who knows somebody that does that? Don't admit it yourself. You know somebody who does that. (laughs) But that's not what you're supposed to do. What you're supposed to do is, I got this emotion or this struggle or this frustration. And instead of jumping on my Facebook and being negative and being this thing. And look, Facebook is actually a good place to to maybe vent and encourage one another. Um, That's okay. But you know how there's a line. You know, there's a line, especially as we're talking about trying to be an example. Boy, those Christians over there, they got the worst Facebook statuses. I would not want to be a Christian. They seem like some real downers over there. Uh, Okay, apparently none of you are on Facebook, so (laughs) you're just all lying to me this morning. But you know what I'm saying. You're just not giving me any nods. But it says, David strengthened himself in the Lord. So what did that look like? He took the word, he took the scripture, he took promises about his life, he took worship songs or he wrote worship songs and he used his words and he strengthened himself. So when he was angry, he would say, I may be angry, but I'm not gonna sin today. He would say, hey, I have fear. I'm feeling some fear. But even though I have fear, I'm gonna speak and strengthen myself by saying, the scripture says, God has not given me a spirit of fear. Or, oh, I got some doubts here, but the scripture says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's how he strengthened himself daily. He strengthened himself by speaking into his life and, and, and that's how he kept, I believe, the core of joy. Yeah, he's gone through a whole bunch of bad stuff and he's messed up and he's failed and, and, all, and we all have. But his, his mindset was, was to have a, a happiness or a joy as his strength was to be somebody who encouraged himself in God and not in a temporal situation. Oh, if I get that, then I'll be happy. No, strengthen yourself in God and you'll be there. Psalm 103 says, he's, he wrote, bless the Lord, O my soul. So he would wake up and say, soul, today we're gonna bless the Lord. I was saying, today I woke up, um, I get up super early on Sunday morning and come here and just basically try to wake up (laughs) because I'm not much of a morning person. But I had a really stupid country music song stuck in my head, and I knew I was going to talk about some of this stuff. And normally my routine coming in, even just to work, is strengthening myself in the Lord speaking things over to my life, speaking, and I had this stupid country song stuck in my head and I, and I, it, 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 I just couldn't get rid of it and, and I was like continually saying it and I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm saying that over my, you guys are gonna be like, what kind of country does he listen to? <laughs> Stop exaggerating. Um, but it was funny and I was thinking about my normal strength in myself and the Lord kind of thing. It's that simple. In your life, when you just are like stuck on something, you got a dumb song in your head You got a dumb thought in your head. You're rehearsing that word that somebody said about you. Change that with something that God said and strengthen yourself and keep your joy. Amen? So James 1, 2 says this. Consider it pure joy at the beginning. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Verse 3. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Keep your joy, and then you'll get your result. Can we say it like that? Keep your joy, stick with God, strengthen yourself in the Lord, and it'll be the, produce the thing that you might be lacking in your life. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. Hebrews it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a cloud of great witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and sin that so easily entangles us. Let us run the race with perseverance, twice that's mentioned, last scripture and here, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He had joy set before him. He stuck to it. He persevered and it produced in his life. Somebody say amen. It put him in the position that he should be. I think too often as Christians, God calls us, assigns us, positions us. Something happens. We throw out our joy. We throw out our perseverance and we miss the seat that God designed for us. Somebody say amen. Won't you stand to your feet? Psalm 28, 7 says, The Lord is my strength and shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy. With my song, I praise him. His heart leaps for joy. Why? Because he knows that the Lord is his strength and shield and that his heart trusts in God. Not the next house, not the next job, not the next bank account tier, not the next whatever. Whatever. His heart leaps for joy because he trusts in the Lord and he knows that God is his shield and it helps him keep joy, amen? How do we live a theology of happiness? How do we, all that kind of stuff? It's when we learn to keep God at the core, our relationship with him, understand our relationship with him, pursue relationship with him, pursue pursue that joy that comes from being centered with God and then it produces in our life, amen? Won't you bow your head and close your eyes. If you're here this morning and you, nobody's going to look around, this will be between me, you, and God. But with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in here and you say, man, Pastor Josh, I, I hear what you're saying. It connects with me. I haven't kept my joy. I haven't kept the core. I haven't kept my eyes set on God. I haven't persevered. I've given up in places of my life. If you're here and you say, today I want to make a decision to get back on track and set my eyes on God, Today, you wanna make a decision to be a Christ follower. You say, I'm gonna jump in on this. I'm I'm gonna make God Lord of my life. I'm gonna try to do this thing. What's really cool is the scripture promises that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Scripture says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you're on your way to heaven. So I'm not gonna have you come forward. I'm not gonna have you um, take any class or do anything like that. What I'm gonna have you do is right where you are, when I count to three, I'll have you raise up your hand and then we're all gonna pray a prayer together. You won't be singled out or embarrassed or anything like that. I just want you to do what that scripture says. Just, just make a confession in your heart that you're choosing to follow God or make him Lord of your life. And so with nobody looking around, this is just my way of seeing your hand connecting and believing with you while you pray. And uh, we'll all pray it out together. But if you're in here and you say today, I wanna do that. I wanna make Lord, Jesus Lord of my life. Choose to follow him. If that's you, on three, raise your hand. One, two, three. See that hand. Anybody else? See that hand? Anybody else? Don't miss a cool opportunity. If you feel like in life you've been like pressing and struggling and and uh, you say, yeah, I haven't made God much of a priority, do it today. Even if you've made a commitment in the past, maybe you make a recommitment this morning. But if that's you, before we move on, if if you're here and you haven't already raised your hand and you wanna make that, just shoot your hand up so I can acknowledge it. Cool. You can put your hand down. Let's all pray this together. This would be what some people would call the sinner's prayer or the prayer of salvation. But the cool thing is it doesn't matter what it's called. What matters is what it does in your heart. And when we pray this prayer, I believe that you're going to start on a really cool journey of life change the best kind of life that Jesus promised. I came to give you life and give it to you better. So if you're here let's, let's and you raised your hand, let's all pray this out together from our heart. Let's say this. Say, God, today I choose you as my Lord and Savior. Help me to follow you. Forgive me of my sins. In Jesus' name, amen.